One of the most interesting questions I have been asked since I started hosting this show, and Kayla Williams should be getting a trip to New York. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions, which is why, if you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. Shout out to everybody who has done so already supporting the show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I love when I get mailbag questions. You can send them to me anytime at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12 DMs wide open on both, or you can just at me on Twitter. Like my guy, Steven did here. Steven M asks at LO underscore pack 12 as a pack 12 fan. Should I root for USC to make the playoffs or root against those traders? Also, just for your reference, Steven, because I'm a little bit of a grammar nut, traders in this instance is spelled T-R-A-I-T-O-R-S, not T-R-A-D-E-R-S, but that's okay. Uh, or root against those traders. I hate how the Pac-12 always gets overlooked, but USC is leaving, and as a UW fan, I now hate them and UCLA football more than Oregon football anymore. Wow. I would be so curious to see a poll of strictly Washington fans to see how many feel that way. I get the sense amongst those fans up in Montlake, you might be in the minority, but I respect it. So I I thought a long time about this question because I think you can go either way. I do have a firm stance, which I will explain. But if you're on the other side of it, I do not begrudge you or think you are wildly incorrect because there is a legitimate case on both sides, but I'm going to lay out why I think it's better for the Pac-12 to have USC get into the playoffs. I'm a big fan of Parks and Rec. And so, like any good Leslie Nope fan, I went with a pros and cons list. And that's how we're going to break this down. So, let's start with the cons. Now, let's start with the pros. We'll start with the pros. The pros of USC making the playoff is that, or are that, they are a Pac-12 team right now. And they will be next year as well. So the revenue that gets generated when a conference gets a team into the playoff would come to the Pac-12. Now, it's about $6 million that goes to the conference. Not entirely certain how they redistribute that specifically, but it's certainly money you'd rather have than not have. But is it a ground-shaking amount of money that's going to radically alter your, your conference's ability to compete at a high level? Probably not. Maybe Colorado would would get some of it and they could, you know, toss an extra few hundred thousand to Deion Sanders, who is apparently in their sights. Uh, fascinating storyline to follow there, as is the Arizona State job. They're looking at Kenny Dillingham up at Oregon amongst a sea of other candidates. But it's not a, a radically huge amount of money. But the thing you're looking at here is the reputation. 
And the reputation of the conference is such that when you have a drought like the Pac-12 has now, I think it's better for that drought to end rather than continue, even when it's a team that's going to leave the league in a couple of years. And the, the other side of this coin, and this is the second pro that, that I think is important to highlight. Let's say USC gets into the playoff. They'd probably be number four. Maybe they could be number three. Maybe. I mean, it's not impossible, but TCU would have to lose. I don't know if that's going to happen because they seem to just have the the magic sauce to keep winning games in a variety of different ways. So let's say USC is number four. Are they a really good football team? Yes. Are they as good as Georgia? No, probably not. So if we accept that premise, let's say that USC gets into the playoff and loses to Georgia. That is still a net positive for the Pac-12 because no longer will you have people throwing out the narratives of they haven't been since 2016-17. They haven't been able to do this. They haven't been able to do that. That goes out the window. Now, what then happens is USC is back in the Pac-12 for its final season in 2023. Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley are still going to be there. So here you have a team that gets into the playoff. And then they come back with their two most important pieces, their head coach and their quarterback, next year. And if one of the remaining teams beats them, or if multiple remaining teams beat them, in my view, that's a net positive because you're elevating the brand of those particular teams. Maybe it's, I, I haven't checked the schedules to see who USC plays next year, but maybe it's a Washington that's on the rise. Maybe Oregon State knocks them off while they're really, really good, as opposed to just in 2021 when they went down to the Coliseum and got a big win, which is great for Oregon State, but not the same as, as beating them as they are now, which is a much better version than what they were a season ago, and it's not even particularly close. I think this year's USC team probably beats last year's team like 40. They probably score a lot of points because USC scored a lot last year, but it's probably like 45 to 28. It's, it's probably something like that, right? So if they come back next year, and then a team like an Oregon State, a Washington, or a Washington State pulls an upset, that's elevating the brand of those programs. And for the Pac-10 going forward, they need someone else to step in and kind of fill that void. I mean, you want to have as many good teams as possible if you're George Klyovkov. And if USC earns the credibility of being a college football playoff caliber team, they're probably going to be a better version of themselves next year than they are this year. And then someone else shows that they're capable of going toe-to-toe with them and beating them outside of the Utahs and Oregons of the world. Then I think that is a favorable position for the conference to be in. There are drawbacks to it. And the biggest con, of course, is, well, USC is is leaving the Pac-12. They're not a Pac-12 team anymore. If they get into the playoff, it's not really ending the drought because they're not, they're not a Pac-12 team. Well, okay, let's play that game. Does the Big 12 have to now retroactively add a drought once Oklahoma, because Oklahoma, after all, for any of you making that argument, that's an SEC team. So the Big 12 really hasn't been unless TCU is able to get in this year. I mean, TCU would be the only Big 12 team that's ever gotten in. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound right, does it? That's because it's not right, in my view. 
So the Pac-12 getting in, even if it's USC, I think is on the whole a positive. And on the the note about, you know, well, they're not a Pac-12 team anymore. I, I've got another thought on that. I, I've got another thought on that, on, on why it's still good news for the conference. But if you've got any thoughts about hiring, you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Go in there, post your job, which is really easy to do. Add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The other thought on I have on USC getting in and people saying, well, it's not really that, that team. They're having to go through the conference schedule to get there. So even if you're very much in the mindset of, well, you know, they're they're a Big Ten team now, and that's not really doing you any favors. But they're not playing in the Big Ten right now. They're playing in the Pac-12. So you're trying to address a credibility issue if you're the Pac-12, Pac-10 going forward, whatever expansion teams they, they might have and such. Look at the Pac-10 teams. They're going to be dealing with that. George Klyovkov and every member institution is going to have to battle like, well, it's not that strong of a league anymore. But the league looks stronger when you send a team to the playoff, when they go through the conference schedule and the committee deems their resume strong enough to land them a spot in the top four and ultimately into the CFP. I think it's pretty straightforward. And I like I, I again I totally understand, totally respect you for someone as well. You know they're not a Pac-12 team anymore. But if the conference is deeming everyone else that they're beating to get to the college football playoff good enough to build a resume to get into the top four, that again is a net positive. Drawbacks, sure, but I think a net positive for the Pac-12, George Klyovkov, and and fans of of other teams in the Pac-10 remainders. I might, I might have to trademark that Pac-10 remainders. Um, <laughs> it is a net positive because you want the league to look as strong as possible and getting a team into the playoff and having them go through a nine-game conference schedule and that being deemed a challenging enough season. I mean, there's only one other lever on there, and it's UCLA, which is a good team. But what about the rest of their schedule? Certainly looks a lot better in the ACC. Look at what it is compared to the Big 12 right now. Pac-12 kind of looks like the second best conference in America right now. It really does. The Big Ten's got Ohio State and Michigan. Penn State is a good team. And then there is a chasm of a drop-off. Big, big-time chasm. So, uh, great question, though, from Steven. If you ever want to ask one like that, that is a that is a fantastic question. And, and though for some of you, I'm sure it is painful to, to root for USC, and I think USC fan, kind of what I've noticed interacting or, or seeing some of your comments on, on YouTube Trojan fans out there. I know you're watching and listening, which I greatly appreciate, by the way, even if you think I hate you, which is not entirely true. Um, I, I think that USC fans kind of relish in that feeling of like, yeah, everybody hates us. They want to tear us down. I feel like that's that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm so disappointed that, that they're leaving. Those sorts of dynamics, you're not going to get that in the Big Ten. You're, you're, you're just not, and you don't have as many teams 
who can present that sort of mindset for other fan bases left in the in the Pac-10 remainders. I think Oregon's probably the next closest. A lot of people really don't like Oregon, but like after that, you, you know, if you're a Pac-12 fan, besides your obvious rival, who do you really despise? Like who despises Utah? What do you hate about Utah? Either the Arizona schools, like what are you going to hit Stanford and Cal? What do you hate about Stanford and Cal? Like nothing. And I, I think that's, uh, that's one of the big bummers of USC and, and UCLA leaving, but specifically USC. So uh, I, I think it's enough on that. Speaking of uh, Washington, by the way, I don't know if I actually explicitly mentioned them a moment ago, but I meant to uh, have this thought. And, and a couple of you were, uh, were hopping to my Twitter mentions and, and looking at this. And I, I think it's a valid point to raise. Washington to get into the Pac-12 championship game. Oh my gosh, and before I forget, because I will. Yesterday, everything I laid out was correct for the Pac-12 championship game scenarios, except Washington wants Cal to win, Utah wants UCLA to win. Goes into the tiebreakers and strength of schedule and all that sort of stuff. I thought they, I, I said they both needed them to win, but UCLA winning helps Utah but Cal winning helps Washington. That's what they need. So the Huskies' path to get into the Pac-12 championship game is beat Washington State, Oregon State wins, and you need Cal to beat UCLA or Colorado to beat Utah. So you're looking at the California Golden Bears as as the team that's most likely to help you out of, of those two situations. Here's the interesting thing for Washington. I don't think Husky fans are going to go out there and openly root for the Ducks, but there's a very real possibility that Washington has an easier path to the Rose Bowl, right? Two losses, they're not getting into the playoff. If you're the Huskies, you're trying to find your way into a New Year's Six Bowl, whether that's an automatic qualifier or an at-large. Consider this. Sound like someone on NPR, because it's a podcast I listen to on NPR. Anyway, so consider this, Washington fans. If Oregon wins and goes to the Pac-12 championship game, against USC, and then Washington beats Washington State, and let's say UCLA beats Cal, which they probably will, because the Bears are not that good, and UCLA's lost two in a row. I don't see Dorian Thompson-Robinson letting that be three. That'll come later in the week, previews for what should be another good week of games here in Rivalry Week. Washington, if they beat the Cougars, which is not a given because the Cougars are a good team and it's in Pullman, but if that happens, and they're sitting there at 10-2, and Utah is 9-3. and three. They are not going to get an at-large New Year's Six Bowl berth. USC did in 2016 when Colorado went to the Pac-12 championship game. And then they lost, ended the regular season 10-3. and three, And the Rose Bowl committee said, we're going to take a 9-3 and three USC team over a 10-3 and three Colorado team. Because at that point, you're picking the team, since Washington went to the playoff, that is going to give you the best product. And by the way, that was an awesome Rose Bowl. Full respect to Colorado for that season. They had a really good year. But that was probably the, probably the right choice. USC had been playing well uh, there at the end of the season. But if you're Washington, look at who's left. Look at who's left. Utah's not getting into a New Year's Six. If Oregon goes to the Pac-12 championship game, ends the regular season 10-2, and two, loses to the Trojans, they fall to 10-3. and three. So they'd be a half game worse than your record. You'd have the head-to-head, 
And if USC beats Notre Dame and then beats Oregon, they're going to get in the college football playoff. So then the Rose Bowl game would probably fall to Washington. They would be the most likely candidate. Could Oregon still be selected? Yeah. On average, since 2015, the Ducks get more viewers in Washington, but it's not a it's not a Colorado USC chasm. It's it's minuscule. I talked about that with regards to the media rights deal a couple I think a couple weeks ago. And from 2015 to 2021, without the USC and UCLA games, the average number of viewers per team was Oregon was first, Stanford was second, and Washington was third. But the gap there between Oregon and Washington was like a couple hundred thousand viewers on average. And Washington's in a big media market, and they're a pretty strong brand. Like, I I know Husky fans would probably say very strong. I think with the older generation, they feel that. But the Rose Bowl committee's got got that as well. I could really make the case that Washington has an easier path rooting for Oregon this week and then against them in the Pac-12 championship game than getting there on their own. Would you rather have the conference crown? Yeah, of course. But after a 4-8 and eight season, if you're a Washington fan, would you not take 10 wins and a Rose Bowl appearance? I think you would. Really, really interesting uh, situation there. Because... I think a 10 and 3 Oregon that played in the conference championship game versus a 10 and 2 Washington that owns the head to head. I I I it's hard to see how they choose Oregon unless they really really value appearing in the conference championship game, but the Rose Bowl's trying to put out the best game possible and both Oregon and Washington are pretty big brands in in the Pac-12. And you have to put the records on the screen. I think they would rather put up a 10 and 2 than they would a 10 and 3. It sounds small, but it's a television product. We watch with our eyes, we consume all of that, and it influences how we perceive the game. So I think that is, uh, I'm glad someone brought that to to my attention. Because I think that that is 100% correct. And I, I know it is against Washington's DNA as a fan base to root for Oregon, but... What do you feel is more likely? Would you rather try and take down USC? Maybe you're about to smoke. Maybe you want everything to play out that way. You want to have a chance to, to be crowned Pac-12 championship champion and get into the Rose Bowl that way. But what do you think is more likely? That you beat USC with Cal beating UCLA or that Oregon beats Oregon State or UCLA wins yeah, I think even even a ten and three. Yeah. No, yeah, because if Utah gets there, they'd be nine and four, and they'd be out of it too. Just saying, just 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 saying. If you wanted to bet on any of this stuff, of course you would go to Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. And by the way, BetOnline has got some fascinating lines this week. I am really excited for the Pac-12 Prime Picks. Chance to get over 500 on the year. Not where I wanted to be, but we got bowl season coming too. Might even do extra games there. Of course, I'll be checking out at BetOnline and you should too. Okay, 
Caleb Williams is really good. Yeah, hot take. I know. Caleb Williams is really good at football. Regardless of how this year ends, he needs to be going to New York City. The guy is really, really good and very impressive. And I am curious to see. Let me know, USC fans. Let me know how you feel about this. Watching the Trojans all season long, I feel like Caleb Williams has been more important to the Trojans' success this year than Lincoln Riley. I don't think either one could do it without the other. But it feels like it is kind of 60-40 Caleb Williams. Chip Kelly said that Caleb Williams is the best college quarterback he's gone up against. You know who Chip Kelly's gone up against in his college coaching career? Cam Newton. That guy was pretty good. Andrew Luck. He was also a good football player. Those are just two of the notable ones. Think about all the great quarterbacks Chip Kelly has coached against. His first run in the Pac-12, this one as well. He's seen, I, I think, Kyler Murray at Oklahoma they played. Might have seen Jalen Hurts at some point as well. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. And he says, no, Caleb Williams is the best. And Caleb Williams looks like the best. Because that guy is so unbelievably good. I think he'd be the number one pick in the draft if he could come out this year. He can't, which is good news for USC fans. Bad news for Pac-12 fans because in their final year in our beloved Conference of Champions, Caleb Williams is going to be USC's quarterback again. But his numbers this year are ridiculous. 65% completion, almost 3,500 yards in 11 games, 33 touchdowns to three interceptions. He's averaging three and a half yards a carry with seven rushing touchdowns too. 33 touchdowns to three interceptions. My point on the comparison of how important Caleb Williams is versus Lincoln Riley is I ask myself this question and then I answer that question because I have a lot of conversations with myself. This is technically a conversation with you, but in essence, it's a conversation with myself. So I ask myself, if Caleb Williams were not USC's quarterback, say he had stayed at Oklahoma and Jackson Dart had stayed at USC, are the Trojans 10-1 right now? To me, that answer is definitively no, because Caleb Williams has been that good. He's so impressive in, in a number of ways. The way he keeps plays alive and avoids sacks. Haven't seen anybody else like that in the country, except for Bryce Young. Except for Bryce Young. And by the way, in that particular department, I'd put him on equal footing. Caleb is a little bigger. He's a little stronger. I think he might even be a little faster than Bryce Young. And he's got a bigger he's got a bigger arm. The other impressive thing about Caleb Williams has been his leadership. I love his body language when he's engaged on the sideline. Now, sometimes, you know, he gets a little frustrated, gets a little upset. I don't mind that very much. Maybe it's because that's how I've played golf my whole life is getting mad, getting upset, and just, you know, venting it out and using that as motivation to, to work harder, to be better. But I see him highly engaged with receivers, running backs with Lincoln Riley as well. He's very coachable. He is, is so in tune with his head coach, who's also his play caller. They do a, a lot of really, really great things together. But here's the most impressive part for Caleb Williams. USC has not been an injury-free offense this year. And their defense, at times, has been really bad. There have been times where it's been quite good. but. Trojan fans are probably feeling like, well, the defense, you know, made the big play on Saturday against UCLA. They also allowed 45 points. Trojans had to put up 48 to win the game. They allowed 35 to Cal. They allowed 30-something to Arizona. I forget the number. 
And time and time again, aside from the Oregon State game, that USC offense has been there. And it's been very Caleb Williams dependent. Not just in the scheme, but also in the ad-lib plays. He does so many things that you just can't coach. Or maybe Lincoln Riley does coach him on it somewhat, but a lot of it, it just looks like he has great feel and great instinct, and he plays his butt off week in and week out. And USC was 4-8 and eight last year. And I think if they'd kept Jackson Dart, they could have had a lot of success. I think Lincoln Riley and Jackson Dart would be a good pair, a lot like what we're seeing over at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin and Jackson Dart, yep, it works. But right now, USC is not 10-1 and one if anybody other than Caleb Williams is their quarterback. And regardless of whether or not they beat Notre Dame or win the Pac-12 championship, he should go to New York for that reason. The numbers are there. The brand power is certainly there at USC. And he passes, to me, the eye test in more ways than one. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.